0: Not only that, yesterday I, we were out on third and in a matter of 30 minutes, there were six ambulances in one section going up and down. And I was like, man, there's crazy stuff going on. But I'm telling you what, what happens is when we serve the enemy eviction notice, what takes place is he wants to um, get ticked off and tell you he's going to stay. And so what happens is he rears his head. And we were talking about how the last part of that scripture in John 10, 10. John 10, 10 in the Amplified says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life in abundance to to the full till it overflows. And that last little section, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. And what I love about that is that, you know, the enemy is here to steal your purpose He's here to steal your dreams, your marriage, your children. He's here to steal your jobs, your finances, your joy, your hope, your peace. He's here to steal every bit of that. And he doesn't want you to live in abundance because he knows that what happens when when the enemy gets evicted, you have room for God to fill your home. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing that is excluded from God. Everything is laid bare and open. And the enemy, he wants so badly to steal your purpose To the point that he will do whatever it takes, however it takes, and whenever it takes. And we were talking about a story of a young woman in the Bible, and her name is Esther. And this young woman, um, we've been talking all along about witness protection from caution to uh, now, today, getting into the sermon that is called Take the Stand. Take the stand. I'm not telling you take a stand. Take the stand. Because every witness... See, if our mission is to bear witness to who he is and bring glory to his name, right? If our mission in this life, it ain't to get the best house, the best car, have the best family, keep up with the Joneses, our mission in life is to bear witness to who he is and bring glory to his name. No matter what's going on, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we face, that's our mission. And as a witness... We come into this place. Yeah, maybe God has placed you into a place of protective service. Maybe you're, maybe you're at the witness protection. You're in the protective house. And maybe you've told the enemy, you know, you're going to get evicted and God's in that protective covering. But what happens when you sat so long in your comfortability? When you get so comfortable in where you are because it feels good now that God's telling the enemy no and I, I'm good. I'm good right now. And so I want to tell you about this, this young woman. Her name's Esther. And Esther was a Jewish woman that grew up in Susa at this time. She had come in where the king, um, Xerxes, was, had put out this decree or whatever to find himself a queen, a wife. This is just a long story short. Y'all need to read your Bible because they have some good novels in that, in, in that book. So let me tell you what. What takes place is Esther goes in. Her uncle is Mordecai, and he has her go in to be a part of this harem, the king's harem. And for months, three months, she prepares and oils and um, all this other stuff. And then three other months, she has another set of preparation where she gets ready to go even just before the king. And to do that, she makes sure that she is ready in her heart, in her mind, in all of her um, attire, all the things that she takes before the king. And it ends up coming where she gets picked by the king to be queen, okay? And I'm telling you, this is like a long story short, okay? She gets by, picked to be queen. And what ends up taking place in this story is now she's, she's in a safe house, she, she's queen. She's got it made. I mean, she, she is, she's like head honcho besides the king right there. I mean, she's got it in order over the girls. She's got the best of the best of the best of the best. She is protected. No, She ain't gotta worry about one thing. And what takes place in this and what the problem of it is, is she comes to the palace and she gets settled in this purpose of believing that she was just chosen to be queen. When in reality, her purpose wasn't just to be queen. It was something bigger than that. And what we have to realize is when we sit in a moment where God's got us marinating in his protection, you better realize that those moments are meant for something bigger than that down the road. And it's not meant for you to stay in your comfortability so that you can just stay there like a good old steak marinating. I'm sorry, but eventually it's going to go bad. And all the things that God's put into you. And so what happens, I want to take you to Esther chapter 4 in the message. Verses one, starting right there. It says, when Mordecai learned, so let's go back just for a second because I skipped this part. This is a real important part. The most important part is there's a man named Haman. He's the snake, right? This man named Haman is the snake. And Haman, he hates the Jews. He hates Mordecai. He hates every part of what the Jews stand for. And so what takes place is he goes sneakily to the king and he says, you know what? These people, they don't bow down to you. They don't worship you. They don't believe in what you believe in. And I believe that they just need to be destroyed. And so the king says, well, what do we do about that? And so what happens and isn't it funny that even people in high power can be manipul- manipulated by the snake? You know what I'm saying? we got to pray for people constantly. That's just a little nugget for you right there. Just pray for the people who are in power at this moment that they won't be manipulated. So here the king gets manipulated by Haman. And Haman end up having the king make a decree that on a certain day, at a certain time of month, that all the Jews are going to be annihilated. They're going to be killed. Every boy, every girl, every mom, every daughter, every Dad, every grandmother, every lineage of the Jews are gonna be annihilated and destroyed. And when a king signs a decree, that can't be revoked. It can't be returned. And see, here's Esther, she's a Jewish woman now living as queen in the palace. But see, they don't know that. They don't know that she's queen because she's been living. Yeah, she did. She changed her name. She changed her name at that moment. And what happened is she here she is, she's living in protection, she's got it good. And here this decree goes out, and Mordecai is, I mean, he is tormented, and he's at the gates and wailing, and here they are, they strip their clothes, and they dress up in ashes and sackcloth, and they are literally wailing and lamenting before God about the destruction of their people. And this has been going on for a little while, and that's where it brings me to chapter 4. It says, when Mordecai learned what had been done, he ripped his clothes to shreds and put on sackcloth and ashes. Then he went out on the streets of the city, crying out loud and bitter cries. He came only as far as the king gates, for no one dressed in sackcloth was allowed to enter the the king's gate. As the king's order was posted in every province, there was loud lament among the Jews, fasting, weeping, and wailing. And most of them stretched out on sackcloth and ashes. Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her. And the queen was stunned. Let's stop right there for a second. What what do you mean she was stunned? She lived in the palace. She was right there with what was going on. You can't tell me she didn't know what was taking place with her people? And she didn't. She didn't know that there was a decree that had been put out. She didn't know that there was an enemy that was still coming after her and her people. She didn't realize that her purpose was so much greater than where she was in her position. And I'm going to tell you this. Position isn't your purpose your witness is your purpose so it doesn't matter what position you have i think sometimes we get so concerned with the position that we have and we hold in this earth that we forget our witness when our purpose is our witness and our position is just our platform that's where it's at so esther's stunned it says she's stunned she is absolutely like oh my gosh i had no clue And here's Mordecai wailing at the gate. So she sent fresh clothes to Mordecai so he could take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Esther called for Hatak, one of the royal eunuchs from the king, and assigned to wait on her.
1: Hey, love, real quick. Go ahead. The sackcloth and ashes. I wrote this down. It comes from the Bible where someone is mourning to put uh, sackcloth over them, made of, I guess, like a coarse material like goat hair and cover themselves in ashes. Um, such, um, these actions that happen when those, when those moments happen, because you hear it throughout the Bible that these moments happen. It, it says that a person endures the most terrible disaster, mourning, or repentance. And so when he hears the news of Haman saying, Hey, let's let's destroy all of all of these people. Let's get rid of these people. And it, here's, the, here's the weird side note. Haman says, let's tell the king, let's destroy them. I'll pay for it. I'll put the money in the treasury. So the king had it wasn't out of any money, and he, he did the decree and he did all the stuff and let it happen. So it started to, all the notices started getting posted all over the place. And so he tore his clothes, he was upset, he put on his that outfit he put ashes and he's mourning they're about to be de- destroyed now you got to think about where this woman Esther came from she was an orphan her cousin or was it her uncle Who was her cousin or was her uncle yeah her uncle adopts her so she's orphan when you hear about the story of the three hebrew boys they came from that whole perspective of the babylon King Nebuchadnezzar did all what he did, and so they're all orphaned. And they're still trying to survive, and the king makes this decree that says that they're going to destroy all the Jews. Now, she's hitting the fact that she's Jewish. She is the queen. The reason she's queen is because the other queen, the the king was acting a fool, and the queen says, I'm not coming before you, and he banished her. And so they put all these virgin women and made got them all prepared and she was the one picked
2: what i think too though that esther thought that she could buy a palace clothing to cover the problem do you ever think that you could buy something and it solves some of your problem maybe you're feeling bad and you want to go to the grocery store or you want to go to the mall and you want to go get something nice and makes you feel good for a minute
1: well, that, Mom, but that, then the problem's still there. That, that problem happens all the time. People go on, for, they live off of each high. Well, we're going to go on vacation, so they live in the moment yes. for that. Or we've just bought a new whatever. And they live in the moment and have no consistency. And then all hell breaks loose. And then they got the next moment. So their whole life is always this roller coaster of always trying to add up to something. So get this. She was shocked when they yeah. said, this man is in this outfit, in this clothes with ashes all over him. But listen where she's shocked. She's, she's shocked that this is going on and sends for clothes. Yeah. She has no idea. Why are you out there? Because there was a rule that if you were in sackcloth or any kind of ashes, you're not going in the courts of the king. So she's like shocked and wants to, well, let's get him a different outfit on your outfit. What are you doing with this outfit? Get a different one on. So yeah. you can, she, she wasn't even thinking about what was really going on. She forgot her heritage. There's a reason why he was acting like that. There was a reason why he was doing that. And she was trying to cover it up with something else. But isn't that like we do? Absolutely. We do the same
0: thing. We have problems in our lives, and it's easier to cover them up than actually deal with them because then people might have to be aware of who we really are. And that's the
2: problem. We send for other things. He refused refused it. it And he said, I will not take the palace's clothes. Isn't it funny? Because sometimes you you would look at an outfit, and you'd say, my God. I might want to put that on. That'd be, that'd be good to cover up, you know, just like a mask. But in the reality, there was still the problem. But how many times
1: does people get so tripped up from actually focusing in prayer and time with the Lord because they're so preoccupied with somebody else bringing something before them? Yeah, it's
0: good. It's good. And I think what happened was just like she tried to cover that up, I think Mordecai was a great example of the Spirit of God at that time. Like he is telling us today, I'm tired of covering up your problems. I'm tired of covering up the things that need to come to the light so that truth can be told. Because guess what? Salvation is greater than anything. You were made for a purpose. And I'm not going to let you just bury your head in the sand like an ostrich and act like everything's just going to go away. And so, what happens as Mordecai has been talked to, he reports to um, the eunuch everything that takes place. And it talks to him about Haman and how he had paid for the Jews to be annihilated. And what happens is he comes back and it says, um, Hatak came back and told Esther everything Mordecai had said. And Esther talked it over and Hatak then sent him back to Mordecai with this message. Everyone who works for the king here and even the people out in the provinces knows that there is a, a single fate for every man or woman who approaches the king without being invited. Death. The one exception is if the king extends the gold scepter then he or she may live. And if it's been 30 days now since, and it's been 30 days now since that I've been invited to come to the king. And when Hatak told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai sent her this message. Don't think that just because you live in the king's house, you're the one Jew who will get out of this alive. If you persist in staying silent at a time like this, Help and deliverance will arrive from the Jews from someplace else, but you and your family will be wiped out. Who knows? Maybe you were made queen for such a time as this. Esther sent back her answer to Mordecai. Go and get all the Jews living in Susa together. Fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days. Fast, and I and my maids will fast with you. And if you do this, I'll go to the king, even if it's forbidden. If I die, I die. And I think what we have to understand when we are a witness you are meant to take the stand for trial. You were meant to, to to walk through trials. You were meant to go through things that were suffering. You were it says it. It says it in James. That consider it pure joy, my brothers, that you will face trials of many kinds. It says that, that you will go through it. You were meant to be able to take the stand and withstand what the enemy has to throw at you. You were meant to be a witness. You were meant to stand out and bear the glory of who he is and bring salvation to the name of others. And what I love what Esther finally said, because I believe Esther, he was kind of upset saying, girl, what, are you doing? what is your problem? You think you're going to live through this? Your punishment may be probably worse because now you're a liar. Not only are you a Jewish girl, but you're a liar now because you lied to the king for what happened. You think you're just going to get saved and spared? And I think what happened is Esther came to that realization that, you know what? It's not about me. This life isn't about me. It's not about whether I live or not. It's not about whether... uh, I made it here just to be queen or not or where I am right now. It's about what God wants to do for his purpose and for his glory and his kingdom. And so I'm telling you today, it's meant for you to take the stand.
1: Crazy is when she finally realized that I feel like I'm living this abundant life. I'm queen. I'm in the palace. I'm living this life. But she realized in that moment that it's not about me anymore. It's about others. And sometimes we get so self-consumed with what we're going through that we, we end up drowning in it, and we don't go anywhere. And everything around you, you might just be the only Jesus somebody else is going to see. And I get like we go through stuff, but get up. Yeah. He's stronger in you. And you got to realize it. And we, we, we question all this stuff. And I mean, if you go back to listen to all these sermons we've been preaching, they're all leading up to this point. Like, we can feel like, oh, God's doing something, but what's going to happen is there's going to come a time where you're going to be called upon. You know, like you talked about the safe house and stuff. We've talked about that in the past. But there a, there's a, comes a point when you have to take the stand and you have to give an account. You have to take the stand on behalf. Go ahead.
3: I wrote this this morning just as I was praying, and it goes right along with what you're saying. Sometimes we become relaxed and even complacent in our place of royalty. Sometimes we, as Christians, we can become so relaxed <clears throat> and so complacent because we feel like we're royal. We understand who we are, but we can also become complacent in it and say, well, I'm royalty. I don't have to go out and do anything. And, and the rest of it is we relax and get complacent in our royalty while the people that we are supposed to help and rescue are suffering from the attacks of the enemy. Yeah. We sit by and we watch um, we, we just sit back and, and we watch as people are dying and going to hell. We sit back and watch as we are secure in our abundant life when we are supposed to be the ones to carry the abundant life to the people that are, that are struggling and are hurting and are broken. And, and you know, even, even this morning sitting up there in worship, God just began to speak to me that there are people sitting in this room that you're going through struggles right now, but people of royalty are sitting around you and not doing a thing for you. And that's a struggle for me. I think that's one of the greatest. And I don't don't want to sound like I'm trying to bash the church because I'm not. I love the church. I'm passionate about the church. But I think it's time for us to wake up out of our slumber called royalty and begin to get out and get dirty with them because Jesus was royal himself. And when they brought the woman that was caught in adultery, he got down in the dirt with her. So what makes us any better when the king himself will get in the dirt? So that's my struggle with where we're at. Because I think we've got to get out of our seats called royalty and get in the dirt called compassion. I'm telling you, that's just where I feel like we're at. And, and, and Esther had to wake up in that moment. And the way God began to share it with me is that Mordecai became the Holy Spirit. He became the Holy Spirit to Esther in that moment because Mordecai says, whoa, wait a minute, woman. You were put in a place of royalty and a position for such a time to rescue people that are hurting and are about to die. And I just want to speak to you, church, that you were brought into this position for such a time as this to wake up out of your slumber of royalty and get out in the dirt and start rescuing people that are broken and hurting. Because people that are broken and hurting in this world that might be lost are still royal. They just forgot who they were. They just forgot their identity and we're the ones that carry the identity of the king. His signet ring has gone out. His scepter has gone out and his scepter will never be removed because now we can boldly approach the throne of grace. Esther's problem was she was worried that the king would be mad at her because he, she came into the inner court. Jesus paid the price on the cross. We don't even have to stop in the inner court anymore. We can go directly to the throne of grace and we can approach him and his Esther has always reached out to us and he says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. See, we don't have to worry about it anymore. We can boldly approach the king that is hungry to see all of his children come home.
2: She had a fear because when Mordecai said, tell Esther that it's important to her to go before the king. But she had a fear about that. And God laid this on my heart. It's like our lives that we can walk in fear thinking ones are gonna ex- that will not extend to us. So see, it's like she had a fear about the king extending to her. But our lives right now, we're a little nervous about going to somebody because we'll think that they're not going to extend their lives to us in a relationship. So we would rather just scoot and sit down in that place saying, i I'm not going to go talk to them. I don't think I can be a witness to that because I have a fear of what if they reject me? What if I can't, What if they don't extend themselves to me? She said, what if he doesn't extend himself to me? Well, that's
1: what happened with the last queen. She, he banished her. So she knew like yeah. this is, this is do or die right here. The last time somebody went against the rules, they were out. They got cut out. So we have to be, you know, we have to be careful in a way, but then we also, it's not fair to the others. You know what I'm saying? Like there's more involved than just you. There's more involved. And I think when we deal with people, some people are afraid because they've been hurt. So they don't, they feel like that you might be the next one to hurt me again. And you've heard that because saying,
2: victimized. hurt people, hurt people.
1: And they become the victimized predator. Yes. What they were victim to, they become predator too.
3: Yes. Uh, put up I'm going to skip through everything I gave you, Christy. <laughs> Go to Isaiah 54, verse 11 for me.
0: Good.
3: Whew, this is so good. I'm going to read it in the Amplified. Oh, you afflicted city, storm-tossed and not comforted. Listen carefully. I will set your precious stones and mortar and lay your foundations with sapphires. Keep going. And I will make your battlements of rubies. And your gates of shining barrel stones. And all your barrier walls of precious stones. And all your spiritual sons will be my disciples of the Lord. And great will be the well-being of your sons. This is so good. You will be firmly established in your righteousness. You will be far from even the thought of oppression. For you will not fear and from terror. For it will not come near you. Go to the next one and here we go. We're right to get into this. If anyone fiercely attacks you, it will not be from me. Whoever attacks you will fall because of you. Listen carefully. I have created the smith who blows on the fire of coals and who produces a weapon for its purpose. And I have created the destroyer to inflict ruin. No weapon that is formed against you will succeed. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment will, you will condemn. This peace, righteousness, security, and triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, says the Lord. As I began to think about this, the Holy Spirit began to deal with my heart about things that are going on in the lives of people right now. It strictly says right here that no weapon that is formed against you will succeed. The problem is, is we're surrendering to the weapons that are coming against us. That's why marriages are falling apart. And can I just be real with you? I am sick and tired of hearing about People separating and people getting divorced and all of this. I just had a good friend of mine uh, go through something last night where I heard that his wife just walked out on him, and I am sick and tired of hearing it. And 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 the problem that I'm seeing is this: is that we have too many royal people sitting back and not doing anything to help the people that are broken and hurting, and not teaching them that no weapon that is formed against them will prosper. We are allowing people around us to bow to weapons that are being made by the enemy. And notice that in the verse before that, God said, if it comes against you, it ain't from me. It's your foe that's coming against you. It's the enemy that's trying to attack you. And so Esther had to do the same thing. She had to realize that that Haman had built the gallows. Man, I'm telling you, I feel something so prophetic stirring in me this morning, that the enemy has built the gallows. And he's trying to hang your marriage. He's trying to hang your children. He's trying to hang your family. He's trying to hang th- th- your calling. He's trying to hang your destiny. He's trying to hang your purpose. And the problem is is you're surrendering to the gallow rather than surrendering, surrendering to the God that can free you from the enemy. I'm here to tell you this morning that I want to bring encouragement to you that, yes, the weapon has been formed, but you do not have to surrender to it because you are of a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God has created you for such a time as this.
0: I think it's both ways. I think that's taking place, but I also think that there are ones who are in positions who ones have reached out to, just like Mordecai was trying to tell her from the very beginning that you're going to this place for this position in the palace, and he was trying to prepare her, and he was trying to set her up and tell her that you need to go here for a specific purpose, and what happened is she got so comfortable in her her position that what took place is everything that was going on around her, she began to become numb to, and she began to quit listening to the cries that were happening and going on. And I believe that God's also asking when are those of you who are in a position to do the right thing and you know you are and ones have come along that have been led by the holy spirit to encourage you to lift you up to guide you to tell you the direction that you need to go from the spirit of god and you are not listening to the cries that are coming out from the gate because you are choosing to set in comfortability instead of sacrifice what is good for you for the moment what works for you for the moment well i'm here to tell you something today everything in this world ain't about will tumble when you think that you are able to escape the trial it's not going to happen everybody was meant to go to court and so I believe we have two measures that are weighing here I believe we have some who are not doing anything to encourage, to lift up, to build up, to try to strengthen, to try to tell ones that they can do it. And I believe we're on the other hand that ones have been encouraging and lifting up and strengthening and encouraging. And there's ones who are just not listening to the cries. When are you going to rise up? to be willing to take the stand to say it doesn't matter if I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. It doesn't matter. And I'm not talking about just physically. I'm talking about the things that you have going on in your world and the things that you might have to sacrifice for little old you so that something else and somebody else can be better. I don't know about you, but I don't serve a God who taught selfishness. He's taught selflessness. It's not about being selfish. It's not about what's good for you for the moment. Because guess what, guys, I'm going to tell you this. In the end, we're all going to be put on trial. Every single one of us are going to face the King of Kings and the Lord of Lord, the true King. And it's going to be up to you what you do for that moment are you going to rise to the occasion here on earth so that when you get done you'll know that you did what was right not for you but for others for his kingdom or maybe is it because you're so filled with your own cries from everything else that's not working out that you can't hear the cries of the spirit See, I feel like there's a warning that's taking place in the earth right now. There's a warning that's taking place in the world right now. And I think what's happened is, see, yeah, we went through COVID and we had things going on. And, you know, now people are getting vaccinated and things are happening and whatever. That's fine. But I think what happened is we got in this comfortable state of quarantine. That instead of allowing our spirits to come out of quarantine, we've just let them hibernate. Well, I'm telling you something, spring is coming. And you need to get ready. And you need to get moving. Because God's trying to direct you and push you out of a place from, from just hoarding all the things that you have. It's time. It's time to stand up. But see, Mordecai
2: didn't bow. And he, listen, Mordecai trust in the faithfulness of God, not the faithfulness of Esther. Mordecai knew that God would not let his people down and he didn't bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow. Mordecai, no matter what was going on, he did not bow because he knew the faithfulness of God. Not the faithfulness, not the faithfulness of Esther, the faith. The fate of the Jews rests on God, not Esther. Her her own fate depended on her own faithfulness. See, our fate depends on our own faithfulness. Not on Mordecai, not on the when it comes all down to it, you're gonna be the only one standing there in the courtroom. I'm not gonna be standing there with Pop. I'm not gonna be standing there with my children, my grandchildren, and I hope they're there. I hope it says good and faithful. Welcome in thy good and faithful servant. But I'm the only one that's going to be standing there. And and Mordecai knew that the fate was on the faithfulness of God and not on Esther. Your faithfulness is going to be your fate. Your purpose. Your divine will. Are you going to take your stand no matter what is happening? Can you imagine Mordecai, here he's in intercession, here he's in prayer, and here comes Haman walking up and saying, everybody bows. Just like Shadrach all oh, y'all going to bow before this golden idol. And here's Haman thinking he's a golden idol with all his pride that he's standing right beside the king. And he said, no, everybody bowed. Why aren't you bowing, Mordecai? Well, I'm going to put this decree and all the Jews are going to die. He still, the only time he bowed was in prayer. And it caused the fate of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to do what he needed to do and started tapping on Esther. And he started, the Holy Spirit started tapping on Esther and saying, three days, if you'll fast and pray for three days, I'll change the whole nation. Some of you don't even know how to screw the plate aside. Mm. Because your fate is in your food. Your fate is in your own emotions and in your own self. Instead of the fate of the faithfulness of God. So we lean back in our own little palace. And think we're good because we're isolated. Nobody's going to touch me. Nobody's going to get around to me. When in reality, it's not about you. I want to read this scripture real quick. I want you to throw up Philippians for me, Christy. Listen to this in the message. Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. (laughs) Life versus even more life. I can't lose. I'm alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Some of you don't even know that you're messengers of God. Dead, alive, I'm in Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. Whether I'm alive or or dead, I'm his bounty. Life versus even more life, and I can't lose. So if I die, I die. See, some of you don't even get to the place if you die, you die. And I'm not talking about, well, I might be talking about (laughs) martyrs of God. Some of you don't even, you can't even go there in your mind because you have such a fear to even get to a place. God wants to break fear off of you.
0: He wants you to be messengers of the most high God. Stand with me this morning. I think what God is trying to tell us is that the Mordecais have been crying out. There are Mordecais at the gate of your door that have been crying out for your soul, for the souls of many others. And you have gotten comfortable. And I want to ask you something, and I want you to be honest. If you know, if you know in this room that you have gotten comfortable in your position of where you are, because it's just easier to be here and, and try to excuse yourself from the reality of the world and the and the trial that you have to go in, instead of facing the court, you'd rather just excuse yourself and hide away and lock yourself away and not deal with the things that are going on. If that's you today, that you know you have literally been in a place of, of comfortability and you are trading your per- for comfortability, then I'm going to ask that you would come forward this morning. If you know you're trading your purpose for comfortability and you know that there are Mordecais that have called out to you and they are talking to you and they have been giving wisdom to you and they have been interceding for you you are so afraid of what's going to take place in your life, but God said today He's coming to defeat fear, He's coming to defeat depression, He's coming to defeat addiction, He's coming to defeat the brokenness of marriages, He's coming to defeat all the things that are happening, and He wants to come over you today. It's bigger than you, and one thing God told me is He said. John 10 10 and the amplify put it up there one more time Christy. the last part of that scripture and I know that that's the theme for fulfilled this year for the women this last part but it says I came that they may have life have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows and I want to tell you something today there is no way that you can have an abundant life when you choose to not fulfill your purpose A purpose that is placed to the side defeats the ability to be fulfilled and have full life and yes let me tell you something god comes in with salvation that's the greatest gift you'll ever receive salvation is the greatest gift you'll ever receive that begins to give you purpose see salvation is the purpose giver because it's the life giver but god doesn't just stop there he wants you to live it in abundance He wants you to have life till it overflows. And that's why he gives you a purpose to live out for his name. He will take you to places for a moment and a season, just like he did Esther. And he will prepare you so that you can fight the battle, fight the trial that's getting ready to come against you. And in the end, you'll come out tried and tested and true and pure. If there's anybody else in this room this morning that you know that the enemy has literally been at your heels and you just out of fear are so afraid to face the jury. That you're so afraid to face the jury because you're still unsure of the verdict and just like Pastor Brandon said last last week, spoiler alert, he wins, God wins. If he's in control of your life, then he wins. But you're not gonna escape the trial. No matter how bad you try, if there are any more of you in this room that because of fear of facing the jury and the verdict that you may have to face up to some things and realize that you aren't going to be spared, but that your life is on the line to sacrifice itself for the salvation of others and the joy and the hope of others, I'm going to ask that you would just one more time, there's a call coming out. I'm telling you, there's a cry coming out. Come to the front. You can hear it from the gates. It's taking place. We're going to sing this song just for a moment, and we're going to get ourselves in worship and give everybody just a minute to get their selves together. So I'm going to ask that every head bowed, every eye closed in this room. I'm going to ask that every head bowed and every eye closed in this room. And we want to just get focused on Jesus. Amen?